Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Light the Fight. I'm David. I'm Heidi. And we are the, is it? Dynamic duo. I was going to say, that's so strong (laughs) to say we're dynamic. I don't know. You're pretty dynamic. I'm uh, Dinah something. You're Dinah something? Okay. (laughs) What's what's like dynamic, that's like hot hot sauce, like that's intense. What's a medium hot sauce? Instead of dynamic, maybe like not bumbling all the time duo? (laughs) No, we're that too. Okay. Well, regardless, thank you for joining us for another episode of Light the Fight. As always, we're here to entertain you with family drama, relationship drama, and our unconventional ways of seeing it. And just also sometimes to pick up dog poo, you got to get down there and use your hands to get dirty. You know what I mean? (laughs) Sometimes using the pooper scooper is not the most effective way. So we'd like to share with you guys what has worked with us for picking up crap, especially when it's not yours. Especially when you stepped in it. Especially when you stepped in it. Actually, this episode is more about us picking up our own crap as parents and uh, taking a, a, a lead role. This is, you know, this is going to be one of those, this is going to be, I've said this before, you guys have heard me say this before, that the information that we talk about here on the podcast are things that I wish that I would have learned 20 years ago. Or yesterday, but continue. Any, any time before right now. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, while, while we're going to talk about that, just know if, if you are one of those people who write in and say, my child's only four, but I wanted to get an early start, this, this is, you're in the right place. Cheers to you. Um, if you're where I am, where you're <laughs> wishing that 20 years ago, ago you had podcasts but they weren't invented yet i mean like um, when you're flipping through the beautiful scrapbooks you made you're like too bad i didn't know that on that day yes yes um but you know usually what happens um for the podcast in case you didn't know this we are unscripted mm. and that's really um actually something that's important to us uh, we're just so have realistic expectations. Just of us. neither one of us are the type that's like, let me write up a script and let's read through this. That's just not our jam. So we're sorry, and not sorry also. Um, but a lot of times, what happens is I'm having conversations. Sometimes it's in like the DMs. Sometimes it's with family. Sometimes it's with friends. Sometimes it's people that I just met for the very first time, and <laughs> and we really get down into it. Um, Anyway, you're this, the Costco counselor. Well, kind of, <laughs> or dance competition, or dance or, competition. Yeah, <laughs> but not even counselors. Sometimes you're just the sponge. Sometimes, is, right? Yes. What is interesting is sometimes it's like there's a theme to the conversations that's happening, and that's really what happened this week. Um, I had two different conversations with two different moms. One that I know well, and one that I don't know very well. And both of the moms were in the situation. And it happened to be with with daughters, actually. And 
both of them were really ticked at their daughters because of something that their daughters had done that, you know, and the age old question, right? Like I paid for them to be in this dance competition. I bought them all the stuff. I drove them to everything. And this is how they treat, you know, that kind of like, I think all of us as parents, we can sit down and, and when we start writing the list of all the things that we do, and then there's the, like the one thing that the kid maybe did, which we they did after we asked him 10 times or whatever. Yep. It's really easy to start feeling like, oh, uh-uh, I'm done. That was the end. And I'm not, and I'm not going to, we're just going to be in this crappy place until she comes and apologizes to me because mm-hmm. I did nothing wrong. This is not my fault. And um, it was interesting for me. It It's always interesting. It's always good for me because it's very much speaking my language, right? I'm very much like, I did this and I did this. And if you would like a receipt or an invoice or whichever <laughs> it is, I'm more than happy to print it out for you and just put it right onto your bed. Mm. Um, I am a scorekeeper. I am, I like to be, I, I like that there to be some level of effort. I know it's never going to be equal, but you want the ledger sheet to be a little balanced, something, right? A little balanced there. Um, and so I definitely related, but I could tell that I will, I will say that both of these women learned about the podcast for the first time. And I'm real Bless sorry. I'm real sorry to both of them. Bless We're probably heart. like, Oh crap. She's talking about me. So we're not going to use your name, <laughs> just your initials. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to bring that up, David, um, because it is really easy and it doesn't even have to be something major. Sometimes it's even the most minor things that just make us so mad and make us really put us in a, in a conflicted situation that you know, we've got a lot of catchphrases that we've said over the years, and um, and maybe we'll come around to that. But I just kind of wanted to bring it up again and chat about that. So do me a favor. Put, put this in like a question, like one like specific question, like if you had to formulate a question. Because I know you're saying like what the moms you were talking about, but just opening up to, to everyone generally, because this is a very common theme, right? A parent does a lot for their kids, feels like he at least – are entitled a little bit in return. Now, everyone's going to have different expectations. Some of you may just want a simple thank you. Some of you may want your kids, I don't know, pick up their room, do some homework to show some appreciation, whatever your language of love and you prefer people to show you that how the way that you prefer people to show you that they're appreciative, right? So if you were to put that in a question for me, or could you put that in a question for me? How do I get my kid to apologize to me? How do I get my kid to recognize all the things I do for them? How do I get my kid to show some freaking appreciation? There you go. <laughs> Those are, no, I love it. I think yeah. that that's kind no, that's of where question. it was going. Yeah. Um, well, look, I, I can answer that. Okay. I can answer that. So, uh, in case you didn't know, I have a really hard time taking something and condensing it down in a few words. It's really hard for me. Well, it's hard for everyone that I ask to do this. That's why when I ask people to do this, my clients and 
I've, I've I can a, attest. I, to I, that. I have a number of clients that are listeners of the podcast, and they're shaking their head, going, "Oh yeah, this sucks." <laughs> like I just told David a thirty-minute story, and he said, "Put <laughs> that in like, one sentence." Six words. Yeah, and one sentence. And then you sit there for ten minutes. But here's the beauty of it, though. Every time someone's really like just whittled it down and fine-tuned into one sentence or just a couple basic statements, it's so much clearer. Not just for me, the person who they want to answer the question, but it's clear for them because we all ramble on, go off tangents or go off on a tangent. Next thing you know, when we come back, we can't even remember what our freaking question was, right? It's true. Imagine if we're trying to communicate to our kids like this. So this is good practice to whittle it all down. So the question that you just posed there, Heidi, or for a lot of people out there is how do I get my kid to apologize? How to get my kid to show appreciation? This is very reminiscent of a topic that we've talked many times on this podcast about, and it's called modeling. Now, I'm not going to say and answer this question in the exact same way that I've answered this before on other episodes of the podcast, but when I refer to as modeling, just by the classic by the classic sense and definition of modeling, when models for clothing are out on stage, you know, they would like the models to walk a certain way, to look a certain way. And the reason why they're doing that is they're trying to highlight the clothing. They want the clothing to be the center of attention, but they want people more importantly to be able to envision themselves wearing that clothing in that clothing. So for all those parents out there, when I'm talking about, I want you to be a better, better modeler, meaning I want you to model what the product really is that you want your kids to buy. And what you really want them to buy is accountability, responsibility, in this case, gratitude, appreciation, right? But not just because you need it for you. We know as Even parents. You do. <laughs> well, you do, but we know as parents what is going to happen if they have that same type of attitude out in the real world. Mm-hmm. People will be much harder on them in the real world from employment to, you know, um, relationships, right? Friendships. So we're hoping as parents that we can train and condition our kids to do these things now so that when they go out in the real world, their life will be easier because it is without a doubt an easier life if you understand social contracts, social agreements, so um, understanding how to build relationships, maintain relationships. If people find you entertaining, pleasant to be around, then they will invite you back for dinner. They will want you to be in, in, in their presence. Now, a lot of adults have a hard time admitting that they struggle socially with being attractive socially. And I don't mean just physically. I mean like just being a person other people feel comfortable being around. And how you become a person that feels comfortable with, how you become a person that other people want to be around are being is like just being grateful, showing gratitude, showing appreciation. Some of you parents may notice that your kids are far better at showing gratitude and appreciation at someone else's house for their food. Well, I was just going to bring that up. Like out in the real world, out in the real world, most kids don't treat their friends' parents as crappy as they treat their own parents. Well, I and I I would I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that statement, but I wouldn't completely agree with that statement. I think what we find because it's very specific to every kid. I think what we find is we're finding a trend that 
if you raise a kid to know how to be polite, how to be, th- you know, thankful, you know, just basic social things that, you know, would make any teenager more attractive to other adults, other people. If you've instilled that in your kids and they're doing that more often outside the home, but they're not doing it inside the home, that means you lost the respect. Something that you're doing is not allowing them to feel like if they were to give that respect to you, to give that gratitude, appreciation to you, then that would be giving up power. There's some sort of power dynamic and power struggle Uh happening there. But some kids, because of technology, because of everything that's happening, I mean, I, I teach high school, I'm talking to teenagers all the time. Some kids really have not been trained and conditioned to be grateful, appreciative. So I don't want to say that all kids will go out there and be better off and be more thankful to people outside their home. I think in the past, you could say that's probably most of the case, but I think in this new world where so many kids don't have a lot of repetitions on face-to-face communication, specifically with adults, you're going to find this less and less. Like um, I I know one of the biggest complaints when uh, Alexa first came out was that you didn't have to say, hey, Alexa, could you please do this? Like, you know, I hear now that there's a Southern version of Alexa. Oh, really? (laughs) I don't know how true this is, but a couple of teenagers told me, yeah, Southern Alexa is like, you know, she's definitely more like, you know, thank you, please, stuff like that. But in our digital world, there's not a lot of the basic social norms that you would expect. And so a lot of kids take shortcuts and they just jump right to give me what I want and then they get what they want and they leave. So it has to be conditioned. Um, I'll give an example uh, for that question before I answer that question directly. When I first started this quarter out teaching, um, throughout the last few quarters, I found out that some classes had kids that were just more appreciative of me and more respectful of me than other classes. Now, once I got to know the kids one-on-one, they were very appreciative of me and very grateful. I've never had a disrespectful kid at all. Even the kids that were acting goofy and stuff like that in class, they always came and apologized to me afterwards because it wasn't personal. They just have issues in class, mm-hmm. okay? But what was happening was I was noticing that some kids just, it took them a long time to say, I can give this guy power over me by admitting that I was wrong, I was rude, or I I should have said thank you more often. It was taking some kids the whole entire quarter before. So in, in class, I have to get a um, sanitizer, right? Spray it on the these paper towels and hand it to the kids. I call them GSWs, ghetto sanitation wipes. Kids think it's funny. So I'm like, hey, who needs their GSW? And so in the first couple of quarters, like half the kids would just come up, grab it, and walk away. And then... Half the kids would say thank you. By the end of the quarter, almost everyone said thank you. I'm like, you know, let me see if I can use some of my own tricks and tools that I share with you guys here at Light the Fight to see if I could bump that up so that they could start sharing gratitude and appreciation right off the get-go, right? Mm -hmm. So the very first day we had class, I gave the ghetto sanitation wipes, told everybody these are GSWs, ghetto sanitation wipes, blah, blah, blah. It was a good class. Everybody was like, I could tell everybody was nervous, but they, they liked it. And then I sprayed down the wipes and as I handed it to everybody, I gave it to them and I said, thank you for coming up and getting your wipe. They knew they were supposed to come getting wipe. There's a whole line. It was an obvious thing. But I thanked them for something that they were just doing. And then right after I thanked them, everyone said, oh, thank you, Mr. Cause. Thank you. It was almost like me saying thank you for coming up to get the wipe because I can't make them come up and get it. If they don't do it, then I'll have to go spray their desk for them. So every time I said, thank you, the kids were like, 
thank you, Mr. Cause. And then a couple times, the kids that were in line coming up, before I even handed it to them and said, thank you for coming up, they go, thank you. And they beat me to it. At the end of these two classes, I said, before you guys go, I said, first of all, I'm going to let you leave a couple minutes early because out of all my time teaching here at the school, you guys are the most grateful and appreciative teenagers I've ever met. I know some of you teenagers out there get a bad rap for not being you know, you know, grateful and all these different types of stuff. I, I threw some, some stuff that adults will typically say to teenagers about not being grateful. And I said, but you guys are different. You guys have really impressed me and I'm really happy that I get to be your teacher. Since then, every single class, when they come up, I don't say thank you for coming up anymore. They all say, thank you, thank you, thank you. The kids that forgot to say thank you doubled back around when they threw it away. They say, hey, I'm sorry, I forgot to say thank you for the paper towel. They're going out of their way to say thank you for a paper towel. I even made a joke. I said, how many of you here, if I were to record you saying thank you just for this paper towels, and I go, how many of you think that I could get your parents to pay me money for that video of you saying thank you? They all started laughing. Oh, my mom would pay a lot of money for that, for that video. So they knew that for some reason they were holding back just basic gratitude and appreciation. And so I asked them why. I said, why do you think Interesting. that you have no, because there, I, I said, well, let me give you the full story. I said, why do you think that you guys are, I, okay. I asked them first, do you normally say thank you this much to all your teachers and all adults? And some of them like, well, you know, yeah, sometimes I forget. And others were saying, no, not really that much. I said, well, then why? How come you're doing it to me? What, what makes me so special? I didn't, I didn't pay you to say thank you. And they all said, oh, like, okay, this is weird, right? I always ask weird questions, right? And a couple of people had some answers and then they started to get the hang of it. And one person in particular, she said, I don't know. It's like, I, I guess I don't feel like if I tell you, thank you, you're like going to use that against me. And then it started off a whole different conversation. So I quickly figured out you guys, this was a power play. Wow. This had nothing to do with, they did not know how to be polite and grateful they were not comfortable saying thank you to me and being polite to me until I had won over their trust and they felt like they could trust me with giving me respect. They didn't want to get manipulated. They wanted to be in control of how they shared their gratitude. And one girl said, my whole entire life, my, my mom's always telling me, you better say thank you. You better be thankful. You better be blah, blah. But she said her mom never thanks her for anything that she does. But she's religiously told she has to be thankful for everything that the parents do, teachers do, and everything else does. But for some reason, her mom just doesn't do that. I don't know her mom. I'm just taking the girl's word for it. So after this discussion, it was very clear to me that this, a lot of times, is built up through resentment. Hmm. If you have a teenager that you've seen them, like Heidi said, you've seen them being grateful, you've seen them being appreciative, you've seen them sharing real, genuine, sincere happiness and, and thankfulness to someone that helped them but they're very slow or rarely say those things to you unless you tell them, Hey, aren't you going to say thank you? And then they'll say something like, Oh, sorry. Like, thank you. Okay. What happens is with parents, we are naturally going to be offended and upset when someone at a lower ranking. So let's use the family business model, for example. So all of our hardcore listeners will know I talk about families and you looking at your family as if it's a business, but a business that you loved working for. That job, that company that you really liked that didn't really pay great, but you didn't mind because it was so cool to work for them. <laughs> that company, 
they had some really interesting things that they did in their treatment with their employees. So I want you to imagine for a second that you are in a family business and this family business treats their employees really well, just like an, an employment situation that you had that treated you well. And I want you to take a moment to think about what did they do at that job to break down your walls and your barriers that you'd built up from bad jobs, from bad situations. Most employees go into a, a job having past employment experience and having certain fears, certain hopes, and also certain aspirations. So if your kids have had bad experiences with you where they felt like you weren't being appreciative of the little things that they did, or maybe you were just focusing all the negative things and forgot to mention the good things that they did, or you're one of those parents that you go straight towards the problem and you run 60 miles an hour past all the little good things they did throughout the week, right? They did 30 good things, but that one thing parents, they did. Parents do that? Parents do that. Well, you and a couple other people, <laughs> but no. And so that was a joke, guys. So when when I was when I was helping, you know, different people with the family um, business, like trying to treat your family like a successful business, I was letting them, letting them know that throughout the business with your children, there's been times where you have been angry and upset because there's this young person not only taking advantage of your hard work and helping you out, but also talking back to you. And it's almost like the CEO of the company and a person who's only been in the company for a month popping off to the CEO and telling them, well, I don't like how you do this. You know, you shouldn't do that. That's stupid. Why are we doing it that way? Then of course, any CEO, any business owner is going to be very upset and be offended naturally by someone of a lower ranking, just talking mess and trash and stirring up the troops and making everybody doubt in their power and their authority. But a very good CEO, a very good boss, a very good leader will pull that employee aside, not in front of everybody, pull the employee aside, say, tell you what, thank you for speaking up. I'm so glad that you care about this company enough that you're willing to say some things that you're unhappy with. Can you do me a favor? Could you write down some things you're having me with me, you know, next week? Because I really want to know your feedback. Cause the last thing I want is for you to be a disgruntled employee only talking about the things you hate about the company, but yet still working for the company. So in this scenario and, and, and in this approach, what I want you to take in into consideration that you have been the bad boss, whether you meant to be the bad boss or not. Parents, when they feel that their kids are being disrespectful and being punks and just taking advantage of your kindness, we hold resentment. Resentment, like we talked about in our other podcasts, that can lead to sarcasm, that can lead to a lot of passive aggressive things, but ultimately it destroys relationships. Because here's what typically will happen. Your kid, when they're younger, are pushing the boundaries, pushing the limits. But because they're younger, you just kind of dismiss it. You're like, yeah, whatever. Maybe you let them get away with things because you're just too tired to be a parent at that moment. <laughs> you didn't want to like discipline them because you didn't want to get into it. So you kind of let them get away, let them get away with things. But inside you're like, that's not right. They shouldn't be doing this. And you just build it, build it, build it. Then one day they do something minor or petty and then you snap on them and you come unglued and upset and they're looking at you like, whoa, 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 whoa. The punishment and your anger doesn't fit my crime. But you've been holding all this in. Because you just got, got away with murder first. You just got away with murder. The parent, like Heidi said, been keeping score of all the things that they've done and all the things that you haven't done or the disrespect you've given. And it comes out like just a fire hose at them. 
they sit back and say, whoa, wait a second here. I don't feel like I deserve that. They don't know in your mind that you're thinking about all the things that you should have corrected them on or they should have done differently in the past. And so in their particular... Because it's also fueled by your own... Exactly. I screwed up. Look at what I've created. Exactly. So now I'm the parent trying to make up for all the mistakes that I didn't do before. And I'm going to call you out on something right now. Well, at that moment, and I've seen this happen more times I can count, the child's confused. The parent feels validated. The child does not give the parent the reaction that they want. They get upset. They get angry. They go back to their corners. And then the parent feels entitled for something that they should not feel entitled for. They feel entitled to an apology. They feel entitled They feel entitled that this young person should put down their resentment and their frustration with you and come apologize to you. Here's the reason why I don't even want your kids to do that because some kids naturally their personality will be like, oh crap, I don't want mom or dad to be mad right. at me. I better go say sorry or else I'm in big trouble. We do not, from my perspective, we do not want to raise a generation of kids who are submitting solely out of fear that they're going to be in trouble. We want them to learn and understand that it's in their benefit to come back and apologize to us, not because the reward is we're not going to lose it on them again. We want it to be a positive reinforcement. And the only way for that to happen is we have to go back to square one as parents and we have to model this for our kids. So let's take a, a couple of these ladies you talked about, even though I don't know anything about the scenario of the situation. Let's say a mother feels very upset because she's paid all this money, done all this stuff for her kid for training, dancing, shoes, clothes, whatever it may be. And then the kid doesn't give her a basic, simple thank you and appreciation. The mom at that particular moment, it'd be natural to take offense to that. But if that mom's listening to this, I have something very clear I want to say to you, mother, father, anyone listening to this. This is actually your opportunity to go back in time and correct the things that you missed earlier in their life. Yes, I'm saying the things that you missed. I don't have to know your situation to know that you missed out on these teaching opportunities when they were much younger. And here's why most parents miss out on that. When our kids are younger, We'll tell them, hey, don't forget to say thank you. Please say, you know, say sorry, say thank you, say these things. And our kids go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, sorry, thank you. And they hear this repetitiously over and over again. But all they really know is that you're demanding it of, of them and you're wanting that. But when they're younger, we don't really feel that it would be helpful to go and give explanations why in detail this is going to be for their benefit, what they could get from this. So now that they're older and they can understand, you can go to them, pull them aside when time is done, just say, hey, listen, I apologize to you for something that I was not grateful or appreciative or didn't point out that you did that was amazing within the past couple of days. Just apologize to them for that. And after you apologize to your child for that, tell them, Unfortunately, I tend to sometimes get focused on the negative. I just forget to bring these things up. And so in my mind, I go, oh, I need to bring this up to her or him. And then I forget to do that. So I'm assuming just like me, this is where you start the partnership language with them. Just like me, you're very thankful. You're very appreciative of everything that I'm doing. And that sometimes you may forget to say thank you 
and you may forget to share your appreciation for all the things I've done. But instead of getting mad at you about it, I decide I'm going to do something different. I'm going to make it a point to share the things I'm grateful and thankful for you that you've done for me that I just always forget to bring up. If you were to ask a parent, a teenager, if they feel like their parent, like if you ask a teenager, do you feel your parent um, focuses a lot on the positives or more on the negatives? The majority of teenagers I come across, they'll say their parent focuses more on the negatives. Whether it's true or not. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Whether it's true or not, that's <laughs> that, right? Whether it's true or not, that's what most teenagers tell me. Because tell it's me. easy. It's, I don't care yeah. even where you work. You go in and you sit in a meeting and nobody talks about the things that are going great. You only talk about the problems, right? Because the things that are going great are great. We don't need to worry about that. We need to talk about the problems. And that used to be something that... Yeah, people don't come to therapy to see me to tell their kids how great they are. Right. Or to tell their parents how amazing they are. <laughs> but I, th I really see it's so important to point out the good things, but we don't pay attention because it's good. Like it's under control. That part is under control. So yeah. we don't need to worry about that. We need to obviously fix this thing. At least that's my mentality, I think. Yeah, because what a parent that does what I'm telling you to do and I'm suggesting you do right now, you're taking that anger and resentment that you feel from your younger child trying to tell you how to live your life, trying to tell you that they don't like all these things and you know you make a great meal and they criticize one little thing about it. You take all that off the table and you say, all right, I must have missed opportunities throughout my busy day, throughout their going to practice and doing stuff like that. I must have missed out on times to really teach them that I'm not asking them to do this simply so that they obey me. I'm telling them this because it's going to give them an advantage in life. And then when you explain to them the advantage, the advantage is better grades, better employment, People want to hang out with you. Your friend's parents will say, hey, you know what? That's a good kid that I want my kid to hang out with instead of saying, hey, you're a bad kid that I don't want my kid to hang out with. And trust me, all you parents know out there, it doesn't take much for your kid's friends to do something for you to go, mm, I don't know about this one. I don't know if I want this. I mean, it's really easy for a kid that, oh, that your, your child is friends with to get on your bad side, to put up some red flags for you. So if you're telling your kids, hey, listen, yes, I want you to you know, be thankful and uh, polite, but I also want you to have something so much better, which is I want you to have people to admire you and to respect you. So in order for you to teach them that, you have to start with the first step, which is you have to go first. Go first, go first, go first, go first, go first, go first. Models are the first ones to wear the clothes. You're the first one to try to sell them on this new approach. Because you're not doing it solely for the points you've been saying you've been doing it. You've been saying, say thank you, say you're grateful, say these things. But we didn't for remember to give the background why this is beneficial to them in their life. Interesting. Now, it's not one of those things like someday it's going to help you make more money. Bring it more home. Like, hey, you know that one friend that you want to go hang out their house, whatever? Tell you what. You say basic gratitude, thankful things, or you have dinner at their house and you get up and you start washing dishes. Trust me, they're going to want you back at that house again because <laughs> that's not something an average teenager does. And when a teenager does that, parents go, doot, 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 doot. that's a good kid for my kid to hang out with. You may not be the greatest kid. Your kid may not be the greatest kid, but if they make a great impression, that goes a long way. 
So the first step is you have to acknowledge that you have not always shared gratitude and appreciation. Just tell your kids, say, listen, I bet I, f- I focus on the negatives more than I do the positive times. And they'll probably agree with you to some degree, right? If they're really scared of you, they'll be like, oh, no, you don't do it that often, mom, right? If they you know, aren't scared of you, they'll be like, oh, yeah, you do. And then you say, okay, so now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it a point that I'm going to do this more often because I realize I've been getting after you and I've been feeling resentment and say it. I've been feeling resentment and frustration towards you because I thought like you would be thankful or grateful for all these little things I've done. And then I stopped to think. Maybe you are thankful and grateful for all these things you've done, but maybe you just don't feel comfortable for whatever reason to tell me thankful that you're thankful and grateful, or maybe you just forgot. So the best way, I'm going to be an example to you and do that. Once you claim that and say that, you better follow up because they're going to be paying attention. Right. Once you start to do this repetitively, then you will start to see that they will thank you for things or they'll come back later saying, I'm sorry that I didn't thank you for those things. This is how we go back to the past and we recorrect missed op or not recorrect. We, we take advantage of missed opportunities in their childhood to give them those extra bonuses and positive reward for doing this. I mean, anyone listening out there, that's why we're so big as human beings on polite gestures when our kids are young. Cause we know if they don't do that with other teachers and parents, oh, their life's going to be really difficult. But no one's going to give them benefits of the doubt. No one's going to give them, you know, add bonuses in life and little extra tips in life. If they feel like your kid's not even basically grateful for simple things, but it's also a bad reflection on us. Yep. And that's so we take this personal. We kind of go in that, I think in that early years, if our kids, the ones in, in kindergarten not saying thank you or pushing the other kid down or, you know, whatever, then then the teacher's like, what is going on in this people's house? And you're like embarrassed, right? But I think, I think that, I mean, what you're talking about, is there an age that you can have this kind of, I mean, I know we're talking about teenagers and, and a lot of times teenagers are the ones, but something that happens like right between like, 11 and 12 or something where the shutoff happens, the valve I, gets broken and or, or something. I'm just kidding. I, from, from my personal when, experience. When can yeah. you teach this to a kid that this is going to be a benefit for them? From my personal experience, I had the most success with kids after age seven teaching them about what resentment is. Hmm. If, think about it. If you're teaching a kid what resentment is by telling them that you've held these feelings towards them, admitting that this is something that you realize it's an error on your part, guess what you're modeling for them? That resentment is normal, but if you hear it and you talk about it, it takes the power away from it. And then you can have difficult conversations with your parents. If your parents are uber resentful towards you or you're uber resentful towards your parents, No one believes that that conversation is going to go well because it never does. There's all this like innuendos like, well, remember that one time? Like, what do you mean? You will go down so many different rabbit holes and never address the issue. But if a parent wants to model this properly, say, you know what? I have a confession. Like, you know, I've been holding a lot of resentment towards you. And if you know that your kid doesn't know what resentment is, it's like, 
you know, when like you're mad at someone, but like you're scared to say something or you don't say something because you don't want to make a big deal of it. And just over time it grows and grows and grows. And then you get mad at them and pissed off and angry at them. And they're looking at you like, gosh, what do you snap on me for? And you're like, because I've been holding all these things in all this time. And your kid's going, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, that's what I've been feeling towards you. And I'm so sorry. I don't know why, because I know you don't mean to not say thank you. I know it's not a personal thing. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going First of all, I'm admitting to you that I've been holding these feelings towards you and it's wrong and that's what I can change and I'm going to work on that. Just by doing that, you will blow their mind and saying, wait, so this is what I've been feeling towards you. This is why, because a lot of kids are saying, my parents don't like me. They're disappointed in me. What What they're interpreting is your resentment towards. So if you're allowing your kids to do things that build resentment towards that builds resentment inside of you towards them, you have to stop that. Do not allow your kids to do things that builds resentment inside of you towards them because it will destroy the relationship. You have to be so assertive in this by confessing and admitting that you're holding resentment towards them, it's on you, and that you need to change it so that they understand what this thing even is. You're basically asking like two of the hardest things for parents in this one small podcast. One, you know, being willing to swallow every ounce of your pride and, you know, think, think your kids, think, think a non-appreciative kid or a seemingly non-appreciative kid for things that they're doing or, or going, going first to clear something up, which is hard. And then second, to talk about the resentment. This is super like you're admitting hard. it because it's as a good parent, you're not even supposed to have it. Right. But you all have it. We all have it. We right. all build it in one way or another to a certain degree. But I think that if you can imagine for a second the that relationship that you hope to have or the relationship at the highest point that it could be, it would involve these two behaviors. You know, um, Eric just got surgery this week and, you know, the, the nurses keep saying, you know, what's your pain? What's your pain on a, on that, like, just, you know, nurses hate asking dudes this. Hate asking, <laughs> I don't know. I know. Eric literally could not tell. And she's like, well, I can't give you a pain med tell you to say seven. And he's like, it's a seven, <laughs> you know, but anyway, I think that if we were, if we were to stand back as parents and say, with each child, it's going to be different. Yeah. And if you want to count your husband, you can because they're mostly child, your child too. <laughs> Shots Sorry, fired. Really- <laughs> um, and say, where is my relationship on that scale yeah. of one to 10? And, and it's going to change daily. It might change daily. But if you've got a kid that you're in like a six, as low as a six, there's probably some resentment that has to be unloaded and talked about. I want you to know that your relationship with your teenagers can be a 10, even if they're not doing everything that you want them to do. At a 10 level, yeah. Even if they're not perfect, if even if their performance isn't like equaling your idyllic expectation, you can have a 10 relationship with your kids if you're willing 
to to put these two things on the table and not do exactly what you're saying, holding the power. Because any relationship where there's a power play happening will never be a 10. Well, yeah, and, and ten what, is a good. what, what ten constitutes is a, good. a 10 relationship with a parent-child? Trust, honesty. I, I haven't seen a lot of trust and honesty when there's a lot of resentment in between the two. In my book, yeah. it's not freaking out. Yeah. If if I can if we can have a difficult situation where I don't have to lose it, and when I say don't have to, it's because <laughs> I was wondering. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's because I'm doing my part of the work, acknowledging maybe where I didn't establish an expectation, or I didn't keep my end of the deal, or yeah. I allowed something to happen that shouldn't have happened, or you know, yeah. whatever. But I have found that I can have things go wrong and still have a good relationship. And I got to tell you, I didn't, I didn't think that was possible. You thought all the ducks had to be in order. Everybody had to pick up their wet towels, stuff like that, in order for your relationship to be good. <laughs> right. Yeah. I thought I needed to have a perfectly behaved kid in order for me to have a good relationship. Well, and I think that's where part of the resentment comes from is that a lot of parents measure their success with their child based upon their child's obedience. And if the child does not f- fit that obedience that you imagine in your mind, then now, obedience, now uh, you're losing initiative, yep. motivation, discipline. It's now you're losing power. And what do people do all too often when they feel like they're losing power? They try to regain it. They try to take it back. The old school way is like you need a pound. You need to pay with a pound of flesh. You know, if you really feel sorry, you need to really feel horrible. You need to feel like crap to prove to me that you feel sorry. That's not a requirement on 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 this approach. On this approach, the requirement is, hey, listen, you could have had a bad meal, horrible night of sleep, a stressful day at the job, and then at the very end of the day, because lacking, because your child lacked the obedience or the gratitude that you're holding on to or hoping for. That could make you feel as if all that thing, all those negative things that happen throughout the day is warranted hate and anger towards your kid. So it's as if that your resentment towards your own inability to control certain aspects of your life now gets posed as it's them. Now they become the object of what you resent when in reality, there's a whole lot of things that contributed to that. You could have had a, a man cold that, that day and, <laughs> and felt like your kids were extra disrespectful when re- re- reality said that you were just extra sensitive because we all know men when they got men cold <laughs> man cold they're, they're sensitive so I, I really like how you, how you brought that up Heidi because I mean it's it's really difficult for parents to say this isn't fair and it's not about being fair power is given in partnerships when you have a partnership with your child, you're get constantly looking for ways to empower them. And what what better way to empower your child than to let them know that you have hard feelings towards them and you're recognizing that you can change those hard feelings. If you want your kids to realize that they can be mad at you and hate you and still respect you, love you, and pay close attention to you because you have their life, like the best things that they can have happen in their life and like you want those things for them, then you're empowering them to do the same thing for you. You're giving them the roadmap of this is how you handle your anger, your resentment 
towards a person because it's not all about that person. People get that way when they feel like they don't have a control of the situation. They feel like they're being disrespected, disrespected or not being appreciated. We've had a lot of stuff packed into this episode. Yeah. And one of the things that we might have to dig into later is this concept of what is a social con contract? Yeah. What are these social, uh, like what are these imaginary social A lot of agreements? parents and kids don't communicate about what are the social expectations in their relationship. Right. Like, hey, this is how I expect you to respond to me. And if you see me getting upset, I've trained parents on this. I've had parents tell their kid, hey, if you see me getting upset in this situation, this usually means that I'm feeling this way. It doesn't discount, it doesn't discount that the parents should stop communicating what they're experiencing and should just say, okay, now it's up to my kid to interpret me. But to give our kids a little heads up of why we typically respond and being all upset and angry if they don't say thank you then our kids have some inside information that if we're kind of standoffish for a little while after a dance competition where our kids didn't say thank you, then our kid may have a little bit of understanding when we come back to them later and say, hey, listen, sorry if I was a little quiet last night, but I, I was kind of frustrated because I was, ex was expecting you to say thank you because I worked hard on your outfit or whatever it may be, but I didn't want to bring anything up at the moment because I didn't want you to think like I was mad at you, but I, I was just kind of disappointed. Oh, okay. Mom has told me in the past that after she does all this hard work, she does like an attagirl, right? you know, like a little thanks mom or like a little, you know, emoji or something, right? So then the kid can go, oh my gosh, I forgot my mom told me that this is her thing. See, as parents, just like teenagers, we take things far too personal when a lot of times they're not meant to be personal. Right, right. Well, that's that might be to something that we like dig into on the Patreon. Unless there's resentment. <laughs> Then it's personal. If the resentment grows, right. then we can start right. taking shots. Yes. And we will go into that more on the Patreon. So just a little reminder for any of you guys want to join us on Patreon, check it out. www.patreon.com backslash light the fight. And uh, for just a couple bucks a month, you can get more info about all this type of stuff. That's right. Well, you guys, there's a lot. I, I even wrote some notes um, and if you're driving, please don't take the notes while you're driving. You might just want to go back and re-listen. There was a lot here, and I appreciate that. Um, and I even think, as usual, you didn't say what I was thinking that you were going to say. And so this was really, really good. Good for me. My score keeping negative pointing outing. Well, I think if I, if I the, day, the day I start saying what you think I'm going to say, podcast probably over. <laughs> over. That'll be our last episode. <laughs> Heidi's um, like, oh, I already, I already knew what you're going to say. The end. Or, or I'm just off the team. You don't need me anymore. Wait, you just, right. you just won't even need me you. anymore. I can go home finally. I can just retire. <laughs> oh, you guys. Anyway, thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening wherever you are. Thank you for doing the work in your relationships. Your relationships matter, and um. I never really thought of that when when I said that today. Um, that you that it's possible to have a really good relationship even when things go wrong, and and I want you to think about that, and I want you to think about where your relationships are, rate your relationship, see where it is, because if you've got a relationship that's under like an eight, you got, you you don't want to be there. Well. In my in my observation, <laughs> maybe we have in, to like. In, in my observation, in my observation, you can't have a ten 
unless things go wrong and you guys work it out together. Okay. Like the it's like in, even even in a friendship, your best friends are the people who you went through Who've thick and through thin stuff. with, yeah. and you figured it out. It's not like best friends never fought. So close parent and child relationships. If if you're withholding information, you're not sharing how you really feel because you think it'll make you sound like a bad parent or if a teenager's out there and they're saying, well, I don't want to say how I really feel because, you know, it's going to make my parents feel like I don't love them, appreciate them. Well, then that's not helping pushing the relationship to a 10. Yeah, that's the only way to really be point. a 10 in a relationship is you got to have difficult conversations, but you have to have realistic expectations going into it. And from my perspective, parents always need to go first. If you model this, if you're clear about where you're at without taking shots of your kid when you're talking about your anger and frustration with them and then owning it yourself, tell you what, you're really teaching them how to be accountable for their, all their crap and all their emotions that they can't handle sometimes too. Right. Which is a part, lot. part of... For, for kids, there's a lot of emotions <laughs> they can't handle. All right, you guys. Thank you again for joining us. Um, big thanks to Dave for coming out and for Brandon and... <laughs> <laughs> And we want to thank you guys for listening and thank you for helping us to light the fight.